how to bring the third dimension to our photographs. But importantly, Chris, um, Ken has a very strong faith and it was brought out through his photographs and the stories that he brought with those photographs. So um, Ken's joined us this morning, so I'd just like to invite Ken to come up and just do a bit of a Q&A. So please come up, Ken. Hello. So welcome to Wagga Wagga, Ken. Thank you. <laughs> I've been here before, it's a good spot. <laughs> now I've got some really tricky questions we've prepared for you, so um, we'll see if we can stump you, but we'll try. Oh, that wouldn't be too hard. <laughs> okay. Well, just a bit of a stone's throw over there is the mighty Murrumbidgee River. Yep. And when you go downstream, it goes down, 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 a long way. It goes in the mightier Murray River. Oh, man, that's where I was born. Well, that's right. You were born in Mildura. <laughs> yep. And then you grew up in country towns. So yep. is that where you grew a love of the Australian landscape? Look, I've always loved being out in the bush. I'm bushy at heart, and that's why I had to come up with a job that involved the bush. So landscape photographer, it's a good one, you know. <laughs> Get to travel the world, and, you know, I love country people because they're more grounded, I believe, than the city. Mm. And uh, you know, I love spending time with Indigenous people. You know, my heart, I'm so excited for the people who are going off to Nepal, but I'm also, my heart's for people in Australia, the Indigenous people in Australia. So, yeah. Great. Yep. And we had a great seminar last night. So what sort of overall message do you want to leave with us this morning? Look, people often say to me, uh, well, how can you believe in God? You know, show me God. And I say, uh, hello, open your eyes. <laughs> Look. You know, I can't understand how people can't see God. I just think the only reason they can't see God is they're too focused on themselves. If you just open yourself up to the reality that God could be real and just in a very simple way talk to whatever, he will show you how real he can be. And, you know, even as Christians, we need to have that real reality of who Christ is because the unbelieving world can spot a fake very easy. They want to see the power of the Holy Spirit evident in your lifestyle and how you you know, speak to people and how you help people. You know, we're meant to be Christ's ambassadors on earth. And as Sir Francis Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times, but only if necessary, use words. And so for me, I just show the beauty of God's creation. And people go, wow, wow, wow. And I say, yeah, God's good. You know, so I'm an average photographer with a great God. And seriously, you know, God is amazing. And and that's what the unbelieving world need to see. They need to see the supernatural spiritual power of Christ in your life. You know, and that comes through us really spending time with, 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 with God. You know, not just casually, you know, doing the Sunday thing. It's a, every day of the life. And, you know, you're meeting people. On your journey, you're meeting people. And you're God's ambassador. You are more than able to pray for healings. You're more than able just to share with them to pay for their grocery bills or just help them do something. And I, and I sense in this church a real heart here of reality where you really want to help people and be there for them. So go for it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And last night you showed us a whole range of photographs from around the world, like from Outback Australia to Africa to polar bears. What <laughs> is the most photogenic place you've ever seen? Oh, look... A place called Earth. <laughs> Although, if there's a, as soon as I get, I keep telling my daughter, darling, I don't mind helping you out now, 
but you've got to get a good job with good pay because you're paying for the first spaceship trip for us to go out. Because, yeah. you know, one day you young, the young people, they'll get to experience, you know, travelling out in space. But I love, I love Earth and I love, you know, Australia. My, I've been travelling a lot overseas lately and I'm heading back again overseas shortly. But I just love Australia because we have this freedom and space mm-hmm. and you get out in the bush and out right away from people. And it just does something to you. It just refreshes your spirit. I, I believe the Garden of Eden is still alive. It's just, unfortunately, we're not necessarily living in that state. We're more mm. on a mission, and it's not necessarily a mission for God. It's more like a superannuation plan that you're trying to work on to make sure you've got enough money till the end. And You know, look, money is a wonderful thing, but you're, you're all on a mission for God. If, you, if you're a Christian, you've got a greater calling on your life. And that's the, that's the thing you don't want to blow. Even on my journey as a photographer, I don't get to spend a lot of time taking photographs because I end up spending a lot of time with people and mm-hmm. with the Aboriginals and you know, doing what God's called me to do. And you know, then God gives me photos really quickly because I don't have a lot of time for that. So, <laughs> so put God first and all those other things will come into place much more simply. Whereas a lot of people can't believe you know, how I can get the shots I do in the amount of time I do, because, you know, God's just great for that thing. But Australia, my favourite place. I'm going to come back here because when I saw the river the other day, it was like, oh, man, I've got to come and do some shots on that river, you know. Good, yeah. good, great. Now in our promotion, we've been showing this bull <laughs> elephant regularly, and I know there's a bit of a story behind it, so tell us that story, how you, how you captured that. Well, this shot's called The Power of One, and I always, like... I decided I'm using a landscape camera, so it's a very wide-angle lens, but I wanted to do wildlife photography with a wide-angle lens. Trust me, it's probably a better idea (laughs) to use a telephoto lens because with a wide-angle lens, you've got to get very close to the animal. So we were in the Zambezi River over in Zimbabwe with this guy who's like uh, the Steve Irwin of Africa. He just really knows all about wildlife. And, you know, this elephant came through our camp, and this is not just a small elephant. You'd only come up to its tusk, just the bottom of its tusk. It's a huge bull elephant. And it comes through our camp and goes swinging through the water off to this grass island in the middle of the river. And so the guy said, here's our chance. He's going to go out there. We'll be able to get sort of close to him. And, all right, so out we go. And the elephant's with his little snorkel going out. And we followed him out and he gets out there. And the the guide said, now, whatever happens, if this elephant charges, do not run. (laughs) Because... Okay, got that. And so we're sitting there and I got pretty close to that elephant. The elephant was where that lady is just down the back there with the pink, lovely pink jacket on. And so he's pretty close and I'm sitting actually a bit closer and I'm sitting here with my camera and it's one of those old film cameras and you've got to go, wind it on and click and so I'm, and click and then all of a sudden its little ear starts flapping and you'll see... Just a little bit of movement. I think, oh, he's saying hello to me. <laughs> and I'm sort of thinking, like, if an elephant's going to charge, it's so big. Surely it'll take a little bit of time to get a little bit of momentum up, you know. I'm thinking, and that is not the case. When <laughs> and, this ele- and the guide forgot to tell me that when an elephant starts flapping its ears, that's usually a sign it's agitated and it could charge. And so I'm thinking he's saying hello. The next minute, it just explodes at me. And the water's going everywhere, and I'm like... And I've always thought if you're going to die, it'd be good to photograph it. And I had, a, <laughs> so I had a camera there like this, and I'm going with the motor driver, and all of a sudden, 
all the last photos have gone to blue sky because <laughs> I just thought, incoming, this is it, I've gone. And I'm not sure if I could have moved anyhow because I'm just like, my heart just went, oh! <laughs> I've got a freight train coming at me with water going everywhere. And then all of a sudden, the last thing I saw was a hat floating towards the elephant. And then the elephant went, <laughs> right in front of me, like where you are there, and, going, and all this green stuff's going yeah. at me. Yeah. Elephants have very bad breath. Anyhow... <laughs> And I was close enough, and I just went, and it settled down right in front of me. I'm like, okay, I know I went elephant. And then it turned around and went back. And then all I could think about, what's a hat got to do with this picture? And I said, you just threw a hat at an elephant. And he said, oh, yeah, usually that works. And I'm going, usually that works? And he said, well, actually, once um, it didn't uh, work so well because the elephant ate my hat. And I had to chase that elephant for a whole day until I finally got it back because elephants don't digest their food very well. And he actually got the hat back. It was two shades lighter. And, and it's a tilly hat. And these tilly hats are meant to be indestructible. And now that guy is sponsored by tilly hats because of that story. But, uh, so that's with that shot. My wife's on the shore watching this whole thing and she videoed this thing and it, it was so close and she thought, there goes my husband. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, so I'd advise if you're going to do wildlife photography, the longer the lens, the better it is for you. Okay. That's a great story. Thanks, yeah. Ken. God's good, though. He looks after oh, you. Oh, definitely, you know? yeah. yeah. He's a good God. You, you mentioned how creation framed your Christian faith as well and, um, and led you in that path as well. So... How do you think Jesus sees creation, his involvement in creation from the start and well, now? Jesus was there right at the beginning of creation. Mm. You know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit hovered across the land. So they were all there and so they obviously thought it was pretty good because on the, on the seventh day they rested and went, hey man, what a cool thing we've done there, you know. So I think, you know, he loves the creation but he just loves us and, you know, that whole thing. His love is so much that he died to make a way for us to come into connection with his Father. Mm. But not just that, that we may be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit to more than be able to do whatever God's laid before us. You know, sometimes we, we understand the message of Jesus and we, we accept Jesus and, you know, we get connected to God. But do we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow mm. through us, to speak to us? Like the couple who are going off to the mission field, you know, God's spoken to them. And they're willing to go. Now, that's exciting. And that's where you see the power of the Holy Spirit. When you follow what God's called you to do, that's where you'll see the power. That's where you'll see miracles. Mm. I mean, who in this room would like to see a miracle, you know? Put your hand up if you'd like to see a miracle, you know? Mm. Okay, to, to see a miracle, you're going to need to be willing to put yourself in a place where you need a miracle. So <laughs> who wants to be in that place? But that's the truth, you know? It's like building the cross out in central Australia when... The Aboriginals asked me to help them build this huge cross in the heart of Australia. I'm thinking, God, this is like way beyond my pay grade. And he says, it's not beyond mine. And that's, what, that's the amazing thing about God. And, you know, when people around you see that you're willing to really put things on the line for the one you love, that gets people excited too because they, they, they're joining in and you can support people who are going and doing these different exercises. Mm. Yeah, so I think he's pretty happy with what is any yeah. his creation? True. So, God's made this amazing universe and, and planet. What do you think our Christian response should be to caring for the, the environment and, and the, the planet that He's made? 
But I think it's great to, to be good uh, stewards of what God has given us. But you know what? Uh, he, the one the thing that God is really concerned about is our hearts. And if we get our hearts right before God, and if we get out there and hurt, help the people, like what saddens me is in our nation now we have indigenous kids who are living in fourth world conditions. As we're sitting here nice and comfortable, you have kids at two years old being abused and four years old and then you have politicians who go out there and do the big, you know, bring the media thing and oh yes and we're going to listen, listen, listen and nothing is changing. And you know, for me I refuse to see another young child have to deal with no future and this is what's happening. Fourth world conditions, like, that's worse than even probably Nepal, you know, so, mm. so we need to do something about this and that's what my heart is to spend more time and you know, when you're hearing all these bad stories, we've got a creative arts centre that's going to be sh- soon to open, teaching photography, cinematography, music, tourism, creating real jobs for these kids. Because the real issue in a lot of these remote communities is there's no jobs, there's no meaningful jobs. It's just they need a hope in a future and there's a revival going on in the midst of this. And I believe, you know, a lot of Christians don't even know about it, but some of the most exciting stuff that I've seen in Christendom in Australia is happening in the midst of this out there. Mm. There's Christians out there who have been singing songs to Jesus every night since 1982. They come together for two, three hours. Could you imagine that if you did that? Everybody come every two or three hours a night. (laughs) You'd probably lose a lot of parishioners. (laughs) But out there they're just so committed. And when that happens, the anointing that happens when they start singing is so powerful that you're taken into heavenly places. It's praise and worship. I mean, I've seen Hillsong, I've seen a lot of different churches, but I've never seen praise and worship at this level. Because what happens is you sit there and listen and you're taken up into heavenly places and you can talk to God, you can hear him very clearly, and it's because of their heart. And, you know, and all of a sudden you look at your watch and you go, oh my gosh, it's four hours. Because when you come into true praise and worship, time has no relevance anymore because you're in the presence of the throne room of God and it is so real and you know I'm sure we've all experienced this from time to time but often when we start to experience this thing we shut it down because we've got to do the next service Mm. so they'll go on for days sometimes so there's something really exciting happening out there so that's why I love it my favorite place right now is in the heart of Australia with my indigenous friends so that's where the Lord's leading you at the present yeah is that your walk walk a while yeah. project and you've got some information in the foyer f- yeah, about sure, that yeah, if sure. people are interested to and find out a bit more. The website too. And look, it's a really amazing thing how God works. Now, if God's called you to Nepal, he's going to make a way supernaturally, you know, and God will always God will always give you a picture bigger than you can handle. If it's not bigger than you can handle, why do you need God? You know, so I know it's usually God because often I'll say to God are you serious? I can't do that. And he says, yes, son, I know you can't do that, but we can. And that's where it gets exciting. Even when the Aboriginals approached me, we had a big song, sing-along event out there. And we actually, Hillsong came out. They sent out a big team and Hillsong got up. And I love, you know, they're a great bunch of guys, very talented musicians. They get up and they go for it and it's really great. It's like the CD, sticking it in, it's, and it, it just wasn't getting off the ground. And they realised it and they said, hey, how about we help you? And they were really gracious and they said, here, have all these instruments 
and we'll just mix the music. And so all of a sudden these Aboriginals get up and bang, off they go, boom, 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 and whoa. And then they go, hey, brother, hey, sister. And it was no longer about a performance. It was about seeking the heart of God. And that sing-along went on for five days. Now the thing is, in that, all of a sudden Aboriginals are coming up to me and saying, hey, Ken, we've had a vision. We're going to build a cross on top of this mountain here. And I'm going, that's very nice. I'm very happy for you, you know. <laughs> and then the second one comes along. Hey, Ken, the people, they've been dreaming about a cross up on the top of that hill there, you know. And I'm thinking, that's a really good vision. I'll, you know, look, all you need a couple of 4B2s, a couple bags of cement. You're all over that. And then, on the <laughs> then one of the chief elders came over. And when we were doing this thing, you see, we forget we're in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is very real. We can get very comfortable in our little lifestyle while we're doing this amazing event, there's Kodaichi men or witch doctors trying to come against this thing that's happening. And this main witch doctor or Kodaichi man got sovereignly born again because all of a sudden he tried everything, he, his little party tricks that he could do and he realised that Jesus was far more powerful than anything he had. And he said, look, I want this Jesus thing because it's much more powerful than anything I'm doing. And he sovereignly gave his life to Jesus. And when he did... If you didn't believe in the spiritual realm, you would have then because this guy manifested, you know, with all this stuff, he'd attached himself yeah. in this sort of stuff. And he, he got sovereignly born again. And so, and just seeing all of this sort of stuff. And so they, this guy, after that, he said, I've had a vision. And I really believe we need to get this cross, his wife, actually, um, on the top of the mountain. He said, can you help us? I'm going, well, why are we doing this? He said, because we want to put up the name of Jesus. We want people to know that our nation is covered by the blood of Jesus. And it's a cross where all Christians or non-Christians and people can come to and just sit there and pray on top of this mountain. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, that sounds like a pretty good job. And just that journey has been amazing. Because to tell you the truth, at the time I'm thinking, a couple of 4B2s, a couple of bags of cement, we'll just whip up on that little mountain and build a cross. And then since that, God has brought people supernaturally, they've come and said, Ken, you're doing something out in Central Australia. What is it? One of the best engineers around. Now the cross is, I'm not sure you need to get an engineer because it's 20 metres high and it's got lights, it's an amazing thing. But it's been in consultation with the Aboriginals and just and seeing how God is providing the finances. We don't, you know, don't normally share about this at all because you don't have to. People finding out about it. And how God's brought in really high-quality people to set up the foundation. Some of the best companies have come and approached us and said, how can we help? And so just if you're willing to take that step, if God's talked to you about it, go for it. Because that's where you see the power of the Holy Spirit. He starts opening supernatural doors. And we're seeing people out there getting raised from the dead after being dead for 14 hours. We're seeing miracles, people getting new hearts and people getting healed constantly. So, and this is what the unbelieving world needs to see, the supernatural again. And I believe that's the time we're coming into where he's stirring up the body to get out there and pray and see what Jesus saw. Because he said, these things are greater you'll see in latter days. And I believe when you look around the world right now, we are in latter days. So, okay. sorry, long answer that one, wasn't it? Wow, well, that's, that's a great project, great vision. It's so. fun, well... Well, thank you, Ken, for, for coming. Well, and thank you for um, having me. And Pam as well for your support. Yeah. And please come back. We'd love for you to visit again. So oh, please right. join me in thanking thank Ken you very and much. Pam. We've come to a 